Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I am talking about if women can teach what is called academic theology to other women. I'll have a brief introduction and then, though I don't usually have guest posters, the rest of the podcast I'll be reading a response to that question by Nick Campbell. Nick Campbell is the um, tweeter, Christ is the Cure. His handle on Twitter is at C-I-T-C underscore org. Christ is the Cure dot org is his website. And I'll put a link in the notes for his original tweet thread from which this response is read, and also the thread reader app Unroll, which takes separate tweets in a thread and puts them all together on one page, which is really helpful. So the question is that I'm introducing, and then we'll read Nick Campbell, Christ is the Cure, is can women teach academic theology to other women? And the quick take If all you have is two minutes, the answer to the title's question and his conclusion is yes. So what I'm saying here is, ladies, this is an important concept to understand rightly. If a woman believes she may only teach a certain limiting set of verses to other ladies, then she is limiting herself from knowing Jesus fully, even if she learns about him from her pastor or her husband. Further, we're charged with making disciples, not homemakers. We're charged with proclaiming the whole counsel of God to one and all in the Great Commission, including other women. So limiting oneself randomly to Titus 2 or Proverbs 31 or Genesis 2.18, whichever verse mentions women, is nonsensical. Here is my takeaway, my the thing I'd love to impress upon your mind and your heart. The Bible says of itself, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. That was 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Limiting your own sharing of his word with other women to just one or two verses is a rejection of God's proclamation of the usefulness of his own words. As R.C. Sproul used to say, everybody's a theologian. It's incumbent on us when we proclaim, when we disciple, or even individually learning that we're absorbing the whole counsel of God and that we're doing it rightly. So here's Nick Campbell, Christ is the Cure. The next words I read are a quote from Nick Campbell. Quote, The Great Commission is for all Christians and includes the command to make disciples and teaching them all that God, all that Jesus commanded. 
aside from explicitly commanding teaching, discipleship presupposes teaching from scripture, what it means to be a Christian, teaching Christian truths and doctrine, and what follows from that, theology. Most in the latest fad of women can't teach, quote, academic theology, which is a debated category anachronistically injected into scripture for eisegesis, but most in this latest fad concede that women are included in the Great Commission and women can share the gospel. I mean, everybody will agree with that. Theologians have agreed that sharing the gospel is only the beginning of discipleship. Discipleship cannot be reduced to one's conversion, but it is being taught the faith. Continuing with Nick Campbell's words, the faith in scripture is doctrine and the ethics that flow from that doctrine. Well, in either case, the gospel is a theological message comprised of scriptural truths. And the impartation of that gospel often involves teaching said truths, which is doctrine. To say otherwise is to reduce oneself to something tantamount to no creed but Christ. Women are included in the command to make disciples, and I have yet to see a Christian limit the Great Commission to men only. But if women are not to exercise authority over men, particularly in overseer roles, to which I agree, said Nick Campbell, who is left for them to fulfill this command with? Hmm. Irony abounds in the movement mentioned above. They posit, well, what can a woman offer that a man cannot? They state there is no good reason for women, blah, 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 fill in the bank, blank. Yet, they are the ones most emphatic that women and men are distinct, sometimes to extremes. But so if women and men are distinct, then the logical benefit of a woman discipling or teaching another woman is obvious. Some of this comes out in other teachings by this proponents where women are told to have women friends because a woman can't offer the same friendship and connection as a man. Well, it's logically incoherent. I'll pause his quote here and just re restate what he's saying. The proponents of people who say women can't teach anything other than certain scriptures to other women also say that women can only have women friends because men and women are different and women benefit from being friends with other women. It's true. So is teaching women. Anyway, Nick Campbell continuing says, what is more perplexing is that the movement utilizes a proof text of Titus 2, where women are told to, quote, teach, unquote, women, and that teaching within the full context, as all Christian ethics are, is grounded in Christian truth. When pressed on whether or not one can teach Christian ethics apart from Christian truth, which will become baseless behavior modification, they'll say no. 
but say that these women are teaching biblical womanhood, quote unquote, not scripture or doctrine or academic theology. I'll pause here again to restate what Nick is saying. This I think is really important. If you teach women such a limiting part of the Bible, you know, Christian ethics, you split that ethics apart from the whole Christian truth, it simply becomes behavior modification, which is Phariseeism. Continuing with what Nick is saying, of course, aside from this category being imposed onto the text, this academic theology, to create arbitrary parameters, quote, biblical, unquote, womanhood, presupposes instruction on what it means to be a woman. Consider the following. Women are to teach women to submit to their husbands. So a woman attempts to do so, and she asks, why? Well, how can the teacher proceed without appealing to scripture to answer that question and appealing to creation and headship and anthropology? Oh, goodness. The only way for the position to be defensible is to hold to parameters not found in scripture. They can teach devotional theology, not academic theology, some say. Well, the former, devotional theology, is not a widely accepted category, and academic theology is debated and less utilized. While theological categories are helpful, we can't interject them into the text just for our own theological propositions. Further, while theological categories are helpful, we can't just disregard the other categories. On the most basic level, women are teaching in Titus 2 practical theology, which is built on other categories. But still, the question is, are women called or permitted to impart or teach scriptural doctrinal ethics rooted in theology to other individuals in any capacity in scripture? That's the question. This leads to the following. The most difficult burden for these adherents is producing any scripture that bars women from teaching in any capacity other than church offices held by men. She cannot exercise authority over a man. Are women included in this or are they distinct? Well, if one is going to make a standard or a law or commandment or restriction or a holiness code, as they imply women who go beyond Titus too are sinning, they need to have clear scriptural testimony. Pause Nick Campbell's words here for a minute for me to say and interject. It's so true. They don't have scriptures that bar women from teaching other women the whole counsel of God. And they don't have a clear scriptural testimony to support their new law that they're making up. Coming to a conclusion with Nick Campbell's uh, repost here, 
to not have such is quite literally to be a Pharisee because you're adding to scriptures in a tradition that binds the conscience. To do this is to fly directly in the face of the Reformation and what freed men and women from shackles of extra-biblical commandments. Lastly, the typical rhetoric of inappropriate settings like small groups or coffee shops, etc., is bizarre. Quite ironically, women likely discussed scripture and Jesus Christ with other women while in the, quote, workforce of the first century. I'll pause here to interject my own thought. I've written before that, you know, Dorcas or Tabitha was greatly mourned when she died because she sewed so much for other women. And I envision that she didn't do that alone in her house, but she sewed with other women and other women and Dorcas most likely discussed what? Jesus. It had to have been since Dorcas had grown so much in the faith and the other women mourned her so deeply that she was revived from her death. Continuing to the end here with Nick Campbell, Christ is the Cure. Surely the local community centers or synagogues were places of typical discourse too. A random limitation on the setting for these commandments is ridiculous. A good and clear disclaimer about this thread is not that advocating for the overcorrection wherein a great commission qualifies women for the office of pastor or overseer or elder. As I mentioned, said Nick, I'm in agreement with traditional understanding of ecclesiastical offices. That's the end of words from Nick Campbell, Christ is the Cure. So it's a little complicated, a little dense theologically, but if it helps to read it or listen again, please do. And once again, I agree with these words, or I wouldn't have been asked him permission to repost this on my blog or on my podcast. I agree. It's important to understand that limiting oneself randomly to Titus 2 or any other verse like Proverbs 31 or Genesis 2.18 is just simply nonsensical and it rejects God's word that all scripture is inspired by God, beneficial for teaching, for training in righteousness, so the woman may be fully capable, equipped for every good work, every good work, not just housework, but sharing the gospel work, living out the faith work. So, hope this might answer any of your questions or concerns you might have had if you've been seeing this controversy online. As always, you can comment or um, send me a message or find me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram to ask. I'm always willing to help clarify and defend the great word of God in every way and in any way. This has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.